HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Escape Maker's first-of-its-kind virtual agritourism conference. For more information, go to escapemaker.biz. That's escapemaker.biz. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring interactions from drug studies in a laboratory. If this effect is as big as he's saying, somebody should have discovered this long before he did. To global wisdom on avoiding hangovers. Beber cerveza antes de tomar vino no previene los síntomas. Beer before wine, you're going to be fine. Wine before beer, you're going to be queer. To the novel recipes developed by an Indian American family deep in the heart of Texas. And then my mom's sort of coming to America and learning that uh, white parents love to melt cheese on things to get their kids to eat it. She was like, this is genius. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to Meat in 3. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, this is Lisa Held, coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and you're listening to The Farm Report, a Heritage Radio Network show about the people, processes, and policies that shape how food is produced today. So today I'm here with Lauren Tucker, the Executive Director of Kiss the Ground, a nonprofit with a mission of inspiring participation in global regeneration, starting with soil. Lauren, thank you so much for being with me. Thanks for having me, Lisa. So um, where are you calling in from? I'm in Los Angeles. That's where we're based. Perfect. Um, So why don't we just start at the beginning. Um, When and how did Kiss the Ground get started? Sure. Um, We started as a group of friends in a living room. (laughs) And then we moved (laughs) to How a lot of things start, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We have one of those stories. Um. Yep, my friend Rylan Englehart, he attended a conference in New Zealand, and it was about the future viability of human life on Earth, a small topic. (laughs) Nice and light, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yeah, super light. Um, 
and all these scientists were talking about the realities of climate change and global biodiversity loss and what we're looking at environmentally today. And it was pretty grim, but there was one person on the panel by the name of Graham Fate, and he talked about farming and he talked about soil carbon sequestration and he talked about the potential to really participate with nature to heal the planet. And Ryland came back from New Zealand so inspired and mm. with a new mission in life. Um, his family, he comes from a, a restaurant family, Cafe Gratitude, which is an organic vegan oh, restaurant yeah. chain in California. Definitely. Um, and so one of the first things he did was gather friends in his living room. And then we also brought Graham to come speak to a group of friends in Los Angeles and um, Graham became this light that really inspired us. And from there, we spent about a year meeting in Ryland's living room, getting excited about soil, trying to figure out what we were going to do. Um, and then we founded a nonprofit. So we're about six years from living room meetings and five years into a 501c3. And the first two things we were inspired to do were make um, – an educational video that was clear and shared about soil carbon sequestration in a way that anyone could understand. Mm. And that's the soil story, which is a video that's been online probably about four years now. And then the other thing that we did initially was dig up a piece of public land and restore the soil. So we got our hands in the dirt in the form of a garden and we made this video and then from there, we've created a lot of educational programming and been involved in many different coalitions. And now, you know, we've grown quite a bit from that moment. But that was where we started. Right. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that's that's kind of cool that it just like, you know, one guy gets inspired by something someone else says. And I mean, you just took it and ran with it, really. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I want to I want to talk a lot about like how about the actual programs that you have and what you, what you're doing. Um, but before we get to that, you know, you mentioned this, the soil story and soil is sort of the base of your entire mission. Um, how do you answer just the basic question when someone asks you why soil? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never set out to become a soil nerd, but I think I am at this point. Um, Yeah, our initial inspiration was climate change. Mm -hmm. And living in Los Angeles at the time, I was driving a Prius. We used reusable to-go coffee cups, buy organic food. We thought we were hip and doing all the things. Right. And... (laughs) But climate change, I think, over the years has been very disempowering for someone who's not working deeply in the field. Um, We hear that we need to bike less, drive less, do all these things less. Mm -hmm. And the inspiration around soil carbon for us, and I think for many people, is that there's actually a shifted relationship to the planet where we can become stewards of the planet and we can completely rewrite the human to nature relationship story. Right. Because right now the relationship story is one of separation 
And we can rewrite that to one of connection where we're actually working with microbiology and plants and animals to regenerate and improve ecosystems and farmland and earth. Um, and then soil itself, it's, it's actually the basis of life in so yeah. many ways. If our soil microbiology is not happy, everything else in the food chain or the life cycle or the ecosystem suffers. Um, we just actually released a t-shirt this week called, and the, the slogan is soil is our common ground. Hmm. And we made the t-shirt purple and a lot of people are liking it and commenting. And, but to me, I think it's true. It's, it's really, it's the basis for life. Um, if we get our soil right, we get our nutrition right, our food security right, we can fix the carbon cycle, the water cycle. Uh, some people even link degraded soils to war because people have to move off degraded lands, move into the city, and right. that can cause conflict. And I mean, we could say that you could link the soil to anything. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the climate change question, it, it is um, when we think about the things that we can do to sort of reduce our impact on the environment, like you were talking about, drive less, do this less. Um, most most actionable items are about kind of um, pulling back your your impact, right? And and soil regeneration is one of the few things that feels like you're kind of doing something to that can potentially help reverse the damage that's been been done, right? Mm-hmm. There's like something kind of powerful about that that you can actually sequester carbon and and um, you know it's sort of a positive instead of a negative <laughs> or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it it's it's a fairly low tech, low cost solution as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of people on the planet, even if you live in an apartment, can compost and figure out where your food scraps go that then could heal. And, and feed soil microbiology. Um, once we have more awareness and more options in the marketplace, everybody eats hopefully several times a day. And so we're already eating, we're already consuming food. We can make different choices with uh, the food that we are consuming. And then on a farm level, um, I don't want to, you know, not be realistic about how hard transitioning off farm chemicals and more of a conventional model of growing can be. It's hard, mm-hmm. 100%. But it's a possible transition. And over time, we're actually talking about reducing cost of inputs because you're using less inputs over time. And um, the majority of farmers who are transitioning landscapes from degraded ones that are really just viewing soil as a growing medium that you put, you know, fertilizers and pesticides and all the things in when, when they're transitioning to just working with the soils and their land is getting healthier, they need way less inputs and eventually none. Of course. Um, so there's a lot of cost savings. It's pretty low. It's definitely low tech and it's pretty low cost to make these transitions. Right. Well, and um, on the farm side, so are you working directly with farmers to help them make that transition? Like, what does Kiss the Ground 
actually do um, in order to kind of um, work with farmers? Do you work with individual farms? The farmers come to you to learn? Like, how does that all work? Sure. Uh, initially, we didn't set out to work with farms because we're not farmers. And um, it seems like, you know, there would be nothing more disempowering and disheartening than a group of city folk from Los Angeles, um, almost hipsters from <laughs> Venice Beach, showing up on a farm and saying, like, this is hey, how you should do it. Right. About how you should farm. Yeah, <laughs> um, probably wouldn't go so over we well. <laughs> yeah, we didn't initially set out to work with farmers, but over the years, we've gotten to know some farmers in our community. Um, I personally shop at the farmer's market every week, and through getting to know farmers, um, we had a lot of requests for access to education, mm. and so we started a farmer scholarship program, and um, the program is very simple. Right now, there's uh, a California application period that's open on our website, and then later in the year, most likely in August, we'll have um, an application period for all farmers in the U.S., and it's super simple. We're paying for the cost of a soil health training. We're paying for soil testing at years one and three and someone who's coming to your land, taking the soil tests and explaining them once they come back from the lab. Mm. And then we're paying for a certain amount of consulting time, about 10 to, to 20 hours, roughly. Um, and then we also see that the people going through the scholarship program most likely will um, form a bit of a community where there can be a lot of cross-sharing among producers in the program. Uh, so it's very simple for us. Our function is we're um, fundraising for it to cover the cost of this, and we're administering the scholarships and doing the admin work. But essentially, we're just passing on the ability to farmers for farmers and ranchers to take these trainings and get access to some soil testing for free. Right. But are you running the actual training as well? We're not, no. Um, We're working with different partners. So at this point, scholarships are available for savories trainings. Mm. Uh, They train around ranching. Uh, Scholarships are available for Soil Health Academy. They're a great group of farmers who are um, really scaling up regenerative agriculture in the U.S. and teaching a ton of trainings. And we're also offering access to the Regrarians platform, which is more of a permaculture mindset. It's an online program uh, that Darren Doherty started out of Australia. And then there's also an option when farmers apply for a scholarship to suggest another training. These three trainings, a lot of us in Kiss the Ground have taken um, the farmer who's working with us in managing this program. He's taken all of them and vetted all of them but we're certainly open to giving scholarships to all the amazing educators out there who are teaching about soil. Right. Yeah, that's great. Um, How many farmers have um, gotten these kind of scholarships so far? Sure. It's a new program. Mm -hmm. We tested this with eight California producers in the fall and it went really well. And then we just um, with Whole Foods raised enough money to give scholarships to 20 producers. And then our goal is to give scholarships to 25 more producers in the U.S. application in August. That's great. And um, 
in terms of the soil testing, what are you testing for on these farms? Um, like, what are you comparing in year one versus year three? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm not the All one the... doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have some really amazing partners from Soil Life, um, Garrett Long and Jessica Chiardis. They both come out of UC Davis, um, and they're doing the soil testing for us at this point. Mm -hmm. We do have the soil testing protocols on our website, so if you really wanted to learn about it, you could see all of the ones. But essentially, they're looking at soil carbon, um, they're looking at water infiltration, and, you know, what's going on in the soil, and Mm -hmm. then they're explaining that when they get the lab results back. Got it. Um, and since this is a fairly new program, um, I would imagine you haven't actually gotten to the, the year three yet, right? Like you don't have results nope. that yeah, you're <laughs> able to look at yet. That'll be exciting when you see sort of how these farmers who have, you know, had this education and, and gone through um, applying that education, what, what actually happens to their, their soil, right? <laughs> yeah, the soil testing piece is really important because, we can make a lot of assumptions about how something looks on the surface. It's like green and growing and it's beautiful and looks great. But, you know, we've seen so many examples of that's not actually what is happening in the soil, what we're assuming. A good friend, Tom Newmark, he farms in Costa Rica. And when they first got into to soil carbon sequestration and got inspired by it, they did testing in their organic pastures and their orchards. And then they also tested the edges of the farm Mm. and they found that the most carbon rich soils and the most biodiverse soils were the ones they weren't farming. And so that was a big eye opener for them that there was Mm. a switch in practice needed. Right. Um, yeah, that's, it's amazing. Um, and I think, you know, the more people that have access to the actual testing, it's like that, then it's all of a sudden you're, you're really seeing results and you're seeing, you know, what, what's actually happening. And then it probably inspires you to keep going and doing what you're doing, right? Like if, if you can actually see exactly how the practices are, um, resulting in changes in the soil. Yeah. It's it's also a little cost prohibitive. Um, our budget for this program is 5,500 per, per producer mm. and the soil testing piece is around 2,500 of that budget. So, um, yeah, it can be cost prohibitive or something that a producer may decide to leave off for the year just because they're investing in something else on the farm. Um, but yeah, this program certainly isn't the only thing that's needed to build capacity. There's so much that we need to do in order to scale healthy soils and regenerative agriculture and um, a lot of education needed. We need um, government entities coordinating. We need capacity building in already existing organizations. We need markets to shift. I mean, there's the list goes on. Right. Well, I think that's it. We have to take a quick break for um, a quick word from a sponsor. I think that's a perfect place um, to take a break because when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about, um, all those other ways. If you're not a farmer, um, what people can do to kind of get involved in, um, regenerating soil. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Oh, man. 
This episode is brought to you by Escape Maker's first-of-its-kind virtual agritourism conference. Did you know that every $1 invested in tourism marketing returns on average $3 to $8 back? Not a bad ROI. Learn how to grow your agritourism business via 12 workshops entirely women-led. The local travel landscape is rapidly changing to meet the demands of the leisure, event, and corporate travel sectors. Whether you're a farmer or producer, a winemaker, a restaurateur, or a destination marketing organization, there's more opportunity than ever to capture these markets. The Virtual Agritourism Conference will provide you with insights and skills to keep your target demographic coming back for more. 14 speakers providing six plus hours of education that you can watch at your convenience anytime on any device. Maximize your time, budget, and resources, and focus on creative solutions to help your business thrive. Presented by Escape Maker and Fulton Stall Market, the full conference access pass is now available for purchase. Use the code HERITAGE2019 for $50 off a full pass at checkout. For more information and to purchase your pass, go to escapemaker.biz. That's escapemaker.biz. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. I'm Patrick Martins. I'm Brandon Hoy. And I'm Emily Pearson. Together we host The Main Course OG, where we cover food news and culture. Browse episodes of The Main Course OG wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. All right, we're back. This is Lisa Held. You're listening to The Farm Report on Heritage Radio Network. I'm here with Lauren Tucker from Kiss the Ground, and we've been talking all about soil health. Um, So... One thing that you said before the break, we were talking a lot about farmers and how, how you're helping farmers uh, regenerate soil, but you said you didn't set out to work with farmers, which I think is really interesting considering, you know, you have a, a mission about building soil. So what can, how, how are people that not, are not farmers able to get involved in building soil? Sure. This is a big topic and a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Go in 10 seconds. (laughs) Ready and. Um, One thing I love to share whenever asked this question is that, you know, I I can share a list and I will Mm -hmm. of things that everyone can get involved in. And I don't. I don't love prescribing things because I think it limits our creativity. Mm. Um, Really, if you're interested in where your food comes from and you're interested in the health of the planet and having a deeper relationship to the planet, it's it's all about, I think, that once you start learning about soil, kind of the, the possibilities are endless. And so I encourage everyone to just learn a little bit more about it, spend a little more time outside, maybe go visit some farms. Um, in your local area and start conversing with farmers and then something will arise for you. Um, If you're a graphic designer, you can start making graphics. If you're an investor, you can learn about all the amazing regeneration projects out there or all the amazing businesses that are trying to scale. If you're a reporter, you can report on it. Mm -hmm. If you're a mom, you can get your kids digging in the dirt. I mean, it's kind of like endless and, um, we set out really to share knowledge and it was from a, a space of our experience. I mean, we thought we were environmentalists. We thought we understood 
what was in our capacity to do as far as, you know, driving less and, and all these things and making environmental choices on a day-to-day basis. And we had this aha moment that we'd never heard about this topic. Right. And if there was just more media and more education around this topic, that would be awesome. Um, so that's what we set out to do was share digestible, simple education um, in the form of videos. Now we have uh, different online courses. We also have a middle school curriculum and we're working on a collaborative project, putting many different middle school curriculum on soils and carbon sequestration and agriculture in one place so that educators um, don't have to be accessing everyone's resources. That's so, that's really interesting. Our school, our middle school is currently using that curriculum? We do have some. Yeah, it's huh. free and downloadable online. So you can just go to our, our website and um, download the curriculum. It's five lessons about soil carbon sequestration and soil. And yeah, at this point, I think it's been downloaded around 5,000 times. And we have many educators who are testing it and using it. And then from there, we're, we're building out more resources for educators. That's really cool. And you have, um, you have soil advocate training. Is that right? Is that for just like anyone who wants to learn about soil? It is. Yeah, it's been a really interesting experience. The, the training started originally because we had friends come to us and say, look, we know you're doing this cool thing. <laughs> we don't really know what you're doing. Right. Can you teach us? And so it started in the garage uh, with a group of friends who wanted to learn. And one of our co-founders, Finian Makepeace, he put together a curriculum with one of our friends, Don Smith, and they started teaching the seven-week course. We put it online. The first couple of times we taught it, the the video wasn't perfect and the tech was pretty bad, but we've <laughs> figured out all those kinks. And um, I think at this point, we're almost a thousand people who have gone through the course in a year, a little over a year. Hmm. And we're teaching, you know, soil health, um, regenerative ag, water cycle, carbon cycle, some of the basic science and understanding around this topic, right. as well as really empowering people to learn how to speak about it publicly. Um, and the, the kind of theory of change is we're a team of 13 people, half, pe- half of the people on our team are part-time, and, you know, we can only do so much. But a thousand people who have gone through this training and are thinking about this every day and inspired, that's a huge team. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the points of it. We also just launched a, a business course for businesses, and that's a collaboration with some friends of ours at TerraGenesis International. And so they're teaching the, an online course about, if you're a business, how to think about sourcing mm. and your supply work through the lens of soil health. And then in June, we're going to launch an urban gardening course, um, which will have gardening basics, composting basics, as well as really, how is this relatable to an urban person? I'm not a farmer. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I live in an apartment. What soils and how can I get involved? Yeah. And so the, the teacher, Rishi Kumar, he's going to um, go through, you know, sourcing food and fermented foods and some other 
things on this topic, which is really exciting. Is that all online too? Like, can people take it from anywhere? Yep, it's online. Um, and the soil advocate training, do you ever hear from, so you said like a thousand people have taken it. Do you ever hear from those people about what they're doing and how they're using that training? We do. Yeah. And we've had a really diverse group of professions and humans take it. Um, a lot of people go on to public speak. Some are from companies that are starting to invest in soil. And so they're just, thinking about marketing language and how they want to present this or they're looking for more info. We've had farmers take it and actually love it, which we didn't expect. Hmm. Um, But the feedback we've heard from farmers who have taken it is, you know, I've been farming this way for a while, but I had no idea how to articulate it Hmm. or I'm starting to farm this way and I want to learn more or I want to tell my neighbors, but (laughs) I have no (laughs) you know, languaging about how to do that. And so it's been helpful to um, an audience that we didn't know would even be there. Interesting. Um, so, I mean, that's that's sort of like what people can do. And then you also um, mentioned earlier um, government and policy. Are you, like, do you feel, well, first of all, is Kiss the Ground working at all on policy around soil health? Um, A little over the years. It's not our core competency or focus, Mm -hmm. but we do know a lot of folks who are working on policy, and we've done um, some media-related initiatives that have helped at least state policy. So when state of California was initially looking at passing the Healthy Soils Act, we gathered, I think it was 23,000 signatures in the petition form for that. And so that was surprising for the state legislature <laughs> to get. Mm. They're like, I thought this was a healthy soil, so 23,000 people care about this. That's <laughs> unusual. <laughs> a lot of them are from L.A. That's even more unusual. Right. Um, so the ways that we're involved in policy are usually in a supportive role um, in sharing about opportunities or rallying community. Um. um what is, can you can you talk a little bit about what the Healthy Soils Act is? I, I think maybe out, people outside of California might not know a lot about it. I, I didn't even know that was a was that a did that pass? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, in California, the program provides some funding for implementation of something called a carbon farm plan. So farmers are working with consultants or their local. Uh, resource conservation district to write a plan for how carbon flows on their property. And then there's a pot of money available for implementation of those practices or whatever they've identified they'd like to shift on their land. And it's a small program at this point, but the demand for it is much larger than the amount of funds available. And so the state's listening to that, and um, yeah, it's it's slowly building. It's not the only program, though. I there's so many different states that are passing programs specific to their state on this topic that I can no longer list them all. Huh. Um, I think I think we're at maybe 12 initiatives in different states. There's one in Hawaii, Colorado, New Mexico, 
something happening in New York. Maryland has one. Um, I'm forgetting a bunch, but it's really exciting. There's, there's certainly a movement happening in the U S and it's small, but mighty at this point. Um, but it's exciting to me because I actually think it's very, it can be very uniting in that we can reach across political lines and we can work together urban folks with rural folks and figure out how to heal our soils and ultimately heal our food system. Right. Do you think that, um, that the state state policy is where things are really going to happen? Or do you think um, the, the federal at the federal level, there are ways that policy should be supporting soil regeneration? Sure. Yeah. I think everybody would love to redo the farm bill, um, <laughs> <laughs> but everybody wants to redo the farm bill. So there's a lot of different interests mm-hmm. in that. Um, there's a lot of conversations that are happening in Washington now um, that weren't happening a couple of years ago. So we are having healthy soils conversations in Washington. I think one of the best things about the state policies is that we're trying different things on a localized scale and learning what's working, what's not, so that we can eventually inform national policy. Um, and so, yeah, I think, it, I think we're going to see a lot more of this in the future. Um, one of the hardest things about the farm bill right now is that um, our federal crop insurance is dictated by the farm bill. And a lot of these healthy soils practices are considered risky under that program. Mm. And so that's, that's a huge barrier for farmers to consider losing crop insurance in order to innovate. Um, but there are some great state programs that are testing healthy soils practices as an incentive for crop insurance and seeming to have some early success. So really hoping that that will eventually inform national policy. Right. Yeah. I mean, all, and all this sort of makes me think about just how much, how much work there is to be done in this area. Right. And I mean, you're doing, what you're doing your work to educate people about soil, to train farmers, to help farmers, to help individuals. Um, and then there's policy and there's all of these different things happening. Um, and I feel like we're at this scary, really scary moment when it comes to climate change. And then you hear about the power of soil and it, soil regeneration and it feels really exciting and, and helpful. But my mind goes to like, is it possible to get enough farmers, you know, transitioning to these systems that regenerate soil, enough people thinking about this to really make an impact? Yeah, I have to believe it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or I don't think I'd be able to get out of bed every day. Yeah. I mean, climate change is hard to describe or understand or relate to as something that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um Biodiversity loss, I think, is a little easier to relate to. And just this week, we saw the release of a large report. Right. I think it's saying a million species are threatened by human activity. Mm-hmm. Um, but and maybe making connections is, between that and because really, it's all connected, right? It's all connected. Yeah. Yeah, and it's 
it's actually all possible. So, you know, I don't know if we knew we could fly to the moon, but we said we were going to. Mm. I know we can regenerate soils and land. It's happening all over the world. And we know how to do it. Right. And we know how to do it. (laughs) So it's just, you know, building will around it and um, financial mechanisms to allow it to happen a lot faster and to support those who are doing that work. Um, But, yeah, there's so many ways that people can get involved. Really, you can go outside more. You can learn from people in your area who are restoring local ecology. You can ask your farmers more questions at the farmer's market. You can ask your restaurants to get involved. There's a new program in the state of California where restaurants can put a 1% tax on their bill, and that goes into a fund um, for farmers to implement healthy soil practices and you can lobby your state representatives and tell them you care about soil. You can teach ecology to kids. I mean, there's just so many cool things we can all be doing. And I think unlike solar is great and electric cars are great, and I totally advocate for them, and I feel like they're a little unrelatable. Mm. But food, we all hold food every day. Right. And it's relatable, and it's something we can all touch and have a part in. So, yeah, I feel super hopeful. Amazing. That's a good place to end. Hope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Lauren, if um, people want to find out more about Kiss the Ground and soil regeneration, where should they go? Sure. They can learn about us. Our website's kisstheground.com. And we're on social, uh, Kiss the Ground CA, and our Instagram is just Kiss the Ground. Um, yeah, and there's there's tons of, of resources online about this topic. What was the name of the video you said that you made that really easily explained soil? I felt like that was a really good resource, too. Sure, it's called The Soil Story. Oh, perfect, The Soil Story. And I imagine, is it mm-hmm. on YouTube? It is on YouTube. It's on our website. It's also translated into many different languages at this point. So it's in Spanish, French, Ukrainian, and a couple other We've had all volunteer translations, so. That's incredible. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you all so much for listening to The Farm Report on Heritage Radio Network. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and share it. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.